right, good job. Hey, if you had a word for, like, if you were praying over somebody and just kind of felt something as of God kind of leading you, feel free to uh, find that person after service and you can share with them. So, all right. Um, hey, I got to say just real quick, you know, before we dive in, I have to say, um, man, it's so great. I have lots of people telling me my zipper's down when it's down when I preach. Hey, so thanks for being good friends. Literally, I'm walking out, I get this text, check your zipper, check, check your zipper. I'm like, thanks, oh my gosh, right, so anyway, so hey, let me say this real quick, don't ever be bashful, if my zipper's down, go, Steve, your zipper's down, I'm like, thanks, right, we'll be good to go, so man, hey, so some of you, you walked in today, you saw these cards, so if you're a first-time guest this morning at Vintage, this is absolutely not for you, Brian, this is not for you, okay, but you can pay attention and listen, hey, so we're in the process of this giving initiative at Vintage, where we are looking to plant our roots deep, right? For community transformation in this 48 acres of land that God's given us on Cedar Crest Road, we're really excited about it. We're one year into this giving initiative called the Rooted Initiative, right? We're, we're just giving for the purpose of planting our roots deep. And so last week we looked at some of the vision pieces that are on the front side of this of what we're going after. We recognize this Rooted Initiative is not about a building, but it's about a vision that God's given us for reaching those in our community, right? We recognize that 80 to 90% of our neighbors just don't ever go to church on Sunday or ever think about Jesus. And so we want to do something that's different and unique as a church. And so that's what we're building towards. And so with it in mind, we said, hey, we'd love, our goal was not a number, but hey, we'd love to have 100% participation of the vintage families, vintage people uh, who consider vintage to be their home to get involved and plug into the Rooted Initiative. And so we said to you last week, and I'm just reminding you, because these are kind of, this is our one year anniversary and just kind of a reminder so if that's you and you're like, hey, this is where we are, where, what's going on? Number one, if you're new to Vintage and would say, yeah, Vintage is my home, we would love to invite you to hop into the initiative. And that's your box up here. Hey, I would love for the very first time to give X amount. Whatever you pray into, you and your spouse land on, that's awesome. I'll never know what your number is. You can put that number down. You have one year to, to give that that you've committed. Second, we have those who said, yeah, I'm already part of the Rooted Initiative. If you've already given towards it and written the number down, we simply need you to do it again to say, yes, I am on board. I'm still going after this, right? Yes, 100%, I'm going to fulfill this commitment. Here's the number that I said. And the third part of those who said, yes, I would, yes, I am giving, but I need to either give more because God's done something unique and I feel him leading me that way. Or, hey, it's been a really hard year. I need to give less. Sorry, and that's fine, right? Whatever you feel like you need to be doing in that. But we, here's the deal. We need to simply know so we know what numbers to work with as we start talking about the build-out, right? If we're thinking $1 million and $400,000 come in, well, that changes how we do things, right? So us knowing a more specific number, all it does is helps us know where we are in the process and what we can give ourselves to. Make sense? Everyone good? Good. All right. Fantastic. So please fill that out today if you don't mind. If you're not quite ready, that's fine. We invite you to do it this week and you can turn it in next week if you feel like that's better for you. All right. So hold on to those and we're going to shift gears. So last week, I've already said some of you came in a little bit late, but we talked about this idea of this journey that we've been sent on. Right. This idea that Jesus, we said, we said for five or six weeks that Jesus called us to himself. We talked about that at length. Go listen to the podcast. I think they're okay. Listen to the podcast and see what does it mean to be called to Jesus, called to the secret place, right, to be empowered, to receive his abundance, to be, as Elizabeth said, more than conquerors. It's a, it's a powerful message, this kind of journey that we're on to Jesus. But the idea is it's never enough just to be called to Jesus. It can't just be me 
and Jesus in an eternal hangout forever. No, we're then sent out from his presence. Right? We go to Jesus. And he says, all right, let's now go together to those who don't know me. Right? And that's the idea. We're just on this journey to Jesus for this journey to be sent out. So we are a journey to and a journey out type of people. And so last week we talked about the idea, man, like, hey, our schedules and our busyness, that's crazy, it's hectic, all these types of things, right? But God, when he sends us out every day, every day, God will, could be and will be nudging us in our spirit with someone he's calling us to be a good neighbor to and to love on. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're sitting there, you're past 10, 15, 20 people, and all of a sudden you see one person, you're like, oh, and for some reason you feel like this nudge in your spirit, like, oh my gosh, I, am I supposed to talk to them? Look what's going on here. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Huh. And, you this, and you just feel this nudge, and so we said last week, we want to be people who, man, we're just aware of the nudge of God's spirit of Jesus in us, saying, this is the person that I've called you to, and so here's we're going to press pause this morning. I would love for us to tell some stories, as in you tell stories this morning. I would love you to tell stories. So what we're going to do is I'm going to have you literally come up like the Costa Rica team did, and you're going to sit right here. And we're going to kind of line up. We'll have a microphone, right? That microphone right there that Randall has. So I'm going to take it, and then you're going to, when it's your turn, I'm going to hand you the microphone, and you're going to stand up. And you, in a very concise and short way without preaching, you're just going to tell us the story this week of how you were nudged by God's Spirit, and you loved on your neighbor. You shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus with your neighbor. You just came alongside somebody and prayed for somebody, right? We just want to hear your stories. Why? Because... Honestly, I get tired of hearing myself talk. I'm just saying. That's number one, right? But number two, there's something really encouraging about hearing from other people who are just telling their story. Because it's one of those things. It's like, like if, if that person can do it, then my gosh, I can do it. And so that's what we're going to do. So this morning, we just want to encourage and build faith by hearing some of the stories. So, this morning, if you have one of those stories of being nudged by God's Spirit this week or maybe in the last few weeks, something, sometime in the last month, and you obeyed, stepped out of your comfort zone, took that risk, and just loved on somebody, did something, whatever, it may not even be like a great story in your mind, but you just took that step, I would invite, like to invite you right now to come forward and to sit right here. So thank you. Thank you, Stevie. Steven. <laughs> You've been loaded. I love it, man. All right. Hold on. Not yet, man. Just wait. God, be patient. Patience, bro. Patience. All right. Anybody else? We got three. Anybody else? You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm not sure I should. Yes, you should. Right? Somebody. Yeah, there, there's, there's Larissa. Anybody from Scott's small group this past week? I know y'all went to Kroger and Starbucks and places kind of speaking and sharing. If there's anybody has a story from the, there's Jennifer. Thank you. Just kind of like making that happen. All right. Anybody else? All right. There's Cole right there in my game. All right. Here we go. Let's all scoot down this way then. So here's the deal. So again, when we share the stories, again, it's looking for concise, looking for short, just telling the story, no preaching, all right? Because uh, we have stuff to do this morning. I'm going to share the microphone. Um, and so when you do, if you don't mind sharing and standing up, because people over here can't see y'all sitting down, okay? Stevie, you ready? All right. You're going to kill it, dude. All right. I had a weird energy drink this morning, so I'm like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so my name's Steven. I'm a welding instructor at a, a privately owned welding school in, in Ackworth. Um, so anyways, there's that because there's context. Uh, so, uh, not ever going to college and doing that whole route 
being molded in construction, there's a certain way you talk to people. So I'm not saying that that's Christ-like. I'm just being transparent with you all. When you get on a construction site, there's a certain kind of way that you talk to people, and it's, a, it's just kind of like a thing. Um, so God's been doing a work in me since I've been teaching now for four years where it's been kind of just like you need to stop doing that. You know what I mean? And stop justifying it and basically being like, no, oh, it's construction. That's how you talk. Um, so long story short, this past year, um, you know, the class size is 30. So there's 30 young men and women that are basically like, we don't know how to do anything. Teach us, you know. And so I have, I have a, a, a massive opportunity uh, to speak to these young men and women that are entering a, a, a largely uh, secular construction workforce. So anyways, the point I'm making is this. Uh, there was a girl that came to my class, which is not very uncommon to have women in, in, in the welding course that I teach. But this girl specifically, I noticed there was something kind of just like she would snap like really hard at me when I would be like, hey, you can't, uh, you can't do that. And she would like whip her head around. And Anyways, long story short, I, I, we were sitting in the academic portion uh, that day, and I was explaining something to her, and uh, she like popped off at me. And I was like, hey, man, you cannot keep doing that, like in front of the whole class. And she lost it, and she just like read me the riot act up and down. And so me being me, I just sat there, and I was just like, we're going to figure this out after class. So moving on, I bring her into my office. I sit her down, and I'm like, hey, man, we can't do this. And she just literally comes unglued, full on, like, bah, like the whole gamut, everything, like snot. Anyways, I'm, I'm wrapping it up, I swear. So, long story short, I find out that some way Tom Tanner and, and some people at Riverstone had her, she was in some program or something, um, and I'm not going to reveal the full details, but the, her past was not like a normal past at all for any man or, or woman. Um, so I had the opportunity uh, to, to kind of explain to her, you know, she was saying to me, you know, Terry, all these people at Riverstone have been trying to get me to go to counseling and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And I basically had an opportunity to explain to her that the crying, you know, that, that you can't live like that forever. That's just an outward manifestation of, you know, your anger, all that. It's, it's, it's going to come unglued at some point. And if you don't address that issue, then, then you're going to get fired from a job. You're going to kill relationships. So, you know, I had the opportunity to, to pray with her, which, you know, in the setting, it was, it was, it was different. But pray with her, speak with her, and encourage her to listen to the people that are, you know, pushing her and nudging her in that direction to receive counseling and to receive that healing and ultimately got to, you know, she already knows the gospel, obviously, but to, to, to reinforce that. So, anyways, that's all. Awesome. Well, this began a couple, few weeks, well, some weeks back. My wife and I were in the oncology office, which we do quite regularly. But uh, the, uh, that particular day, uh, there was a young lady sitting there in the waiting room. I mean, every time we go in, there's a room full of people that look a heck of a lot worse than I do, really, if you can believe that. But uh, It's hard to believe, Charles. Yeah, it is. <laughs> But anyway, there was a young lady sitting here that particular day, and she looked terrible. She, you could tell she felt bad physically, and she was just defeated and had that look like I had a couple of years ago. Uh, so, Brian and I put our heads together. I said, I think the Lord's telling me, telling us to go speak to this young lady. 
So we got up, moved over to where she was, and we sat down, introduced ourselves, and told her, you know, briefly what we're doing there. And Maureen, I don't give that much of her name, a Russian young lady, but uh, she just teared up, and we said, we want to pray for you, and we want to, you know, just share the love of Christ with you. And uh, she says, I'm a believer, and, you know, this. she'd had a rough time. Anyway, long story short, I went in for a ex-Jeeva shot this past week, went in the infusion room just to get it. It's just a five-minute thing for me, but there she sat in one of the chairs and looked great. I mean, as great as you can look when you're dealing with cancer, but it's a, uh, but her color looked good. She looked good. She felt good, and she had life in her. Not totally because of us, I don't think, but because, you know, God is working in her life. Anyway, when you get that nudge, that urge, that whatever, answer it. You know, we don't have all the answers. We don't know what to say, but God does, and that's that's all that counts. Amen. Thanks, Charles. So I'm Lisa. I went to the dentist, and um, the assistant that started working on me told me she was new and I said well hi how are you and as she kept working uh, like 10 minutes into it she had told me three or four times she was new thought, okay something something's high going confidence on here. right there high confidence <laughs> she's doing a great job though <clears throat> but then the dentist came in to check the work and I could tell that she tensed up and she was trying just extra hard to really do well around the dentist after the dentist left the room, I said, well, tell, you know, tell me, you're new, tell me how you got here. So she, she, told, she teared up and she said, well, a few weeks ago, she had been working for another dental practice that was a few miles down the road. And she said, um, the dentist I worked for died suddenly. And she said, immediately I was out of a job and I lost my boss, my friend. She said, it's all gone, and his family's closing the practice, and I've got to go pick up my things from there today. I'm done there. And she said, Dr. Wollers was kind enough to take me in to do some fill-in work, but I don't know where this is going. Oh, so I felt the nudge, and I said, has anybody said a blessing or a prayer for you today? And she looked at me, and she said, no. I said, well, could, could I do that? And she said, yes. And, boy, before I knew it, she had sat on the stool, closed her eyes, bowed her head, and had her hands out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay we're doing this. <laughs> so, so I felt, you know, nudge again. And I said, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to pray to him. Is that okay with you? And she said, yes. So I just prayed for her to, you know, have peace during that grief and healing and this time of transition and that for her employment situation and all that. And you just really feel the love of Jesus, for her to feel the love of Jesus pouring over her. And it was just, it was really great. She got up and hugged me, and and I believe she's still there. I saw on Facebook they posted a picture of the crew, and her face was there. So I think it all turned out well. That's awesome. Hi, I'm Larissa. Um, Ever since... I came to know the Lord. My friends would always call me the grocery store evangelist. So (laughs) that's my call every day and every morning I ask God to keep my eyes open to who might, you know, what opportunity he might have. And then I forget about it and then something comes along. So anyways, this didn't happen at a grocery store. A couple things did, but this actually happened at Famous Footwear. 
Um, <laughs> did you buy one and get one half off? I did. I oh, got fantastic. A, that's the best. Oh, that's what it is. And a five dollar awesome. coupon. Yep. Good. Good. And, uh, and I have <laughs> that coupon. Needs new shoes. Oh my gosh. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Me up. Well, um, long story short is because uh, my daughter, she has kind of two different feet, and it's always a process to go get her shoes, and she always wears sneakers to prom. So, anyways, I brought her sneakers back yesterday because we brought home like three or four pairs, and we picked one. And so um, the other ones, you know, just didn't work out. Uh, so I brought it back, and I started talking to the lady at the desk, you know, she's like, oh, it didn't work out because she was part of the process the day before. My daughters could kill me for talking so much and talking to everyone I meet and too much, they say, but there's always opportunities in talking to people. So I'm always keeping my phone away and focusing on what's going on. So I talked to her yesterday, so we already had that door open. And she always kind of looked a little depressed the day before. And then I started talking about my daughter's feet and how one of them's bigger than the other and a little different because she had a surgery that went wrong and put her in a wheelchair. And we've gone through this whole process of this healing and doctor's appointments out the door. And she's like, well, how do you always stay so chipper? Yesterday you were happy. Today you're happy. How do you, how do you stay like that? And I said, well, let me tell you. <laughs> it's the joy of the Lord, even in waiting rooms and things like that. You know, I'd see someone, God would just say, look at that person. They can't get out of bed in the morning on their own. They can't feed themselves, or they can't do this on their own. So, it, you know, that's just gave me a lot of compassion for that, but also brought me joy and peace because, you know, I praise the Lord that he has her walking, talking, and able to go to prom, you know. Um, and she goes, well, what is what does she have? I started talking about that, that it's in a remission. If something goes wrong, it can come back out again. It's a neurological disorder. Um, but anyways, she goes, well, how do I get that? Because <laughs> my mom's going through, and then she started her story. And I went back behind the counter of Famous Footwear, and I got to pray with her. And when I was praying, it was I was quiet. You know, I didn't want to draw too much. There wasn't a lot of people in there anyways. But then I felt like the Lord said, turn up the volume. So I did. And then after I prayed for her for joy and peace in her journey, this other girl, sweet young girl, was like, can you do that praying thing for my foot? It really hurts. <laughs> so, you know, you never know what God has for mm. you. And, you know, I made that relationship, and I'll be able sure. to go back in and check up on her and stuff. So. I love it. Thank you. So I don't know. Oh, that's loud. I don't know if everybody knows about the Wednesday night God's Secret study that um, Scott's been leading, but it's... It's been challenging, and it's been like kind of practicing. We're spending time practicing hearing the Lord. And so this past Wednesday was the last Wednesday. And uh, basically it was just like Scott said, okay, so we're just going to go out. <laughs> he said, I'm going to commission you, so you're just going to go out. And uh, so me and Laura McNeil, who I don't think she's in here, but we, we prayed a little bit before we went, and felt like we were supposed to go to McDonald's. And there was a couple little thing, other things that we had heard. But um, so we're like, okay, let's go to McDonald's. We'll go get a coffee or something, and we'll just go. And we walk in the door, and there's nobody in there except for two other people that were in our group. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. I said, but I think it's here. 
I think we're supposed to be here. So let's go. So we go up to the counter, get, you know, get our drinks. We talked to a little guy at the counter who was super sweet. And he had a cross on his neck. And we talked to him about poker. And we're like, okay. And then, then Laura, she had had this feeling that maybe we're supposed to talk to somebody who was pregnant. So she said, well, let's go in the kids' area and see if there's somebody in there. So we go into the kids' area, you know, where the, like, the play area is. And there's one person in there, one lady in there with a, a child. And before we can even sit our bags down to sit, we're sitting our stuff down. And, this, and she's already talking to us. She's engaged in conversation across the room to us. And just, like, just starts connecting. We're just, so we're just talking to her. We're just talking to her, talking to her. And very quickly, I realized, I'm like, oh, like, she's why we're here. You know, just, she just, she was just unburdening herself and just telling us all these things going on with her family and her grandson and addictions and things in the family and death and just all these things. And I was just like, oh, gosh, you know, and, and Laura actually had, we had a time limit because Laura had to go pick up her son. So afterwards, talking for a minute, I looked at my clock. I said, I said, Laura, you got to go in a minute. But I looked at the lady and I said, can we pray for you? And so we, you know, she was like, yes, please, you know, please. So we go and we, she's like, let's stand up and hold hands. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, so, we, so we're standing in the middle of the play area in McDonald's holding her hands. And, and, you know, the three of us are holding hands and praying for her. And she's just weeping, just weeping and weeping and weeping. And she's just like, thank you so much. I really needed the support. And, you know, and then she's like, well, anytime you want to get prayer, come on over. We're right over here. You know, it's like, you know, just told her where we are. And, you know, hopefully maybe she came today. I don't know. But, you know, it was just really sweet. And it was, it wasn't what we necessarily thought it was going to be, but it was the Lord. Amen. He was sweet. He cared for her. So, Amen. I love yeah. it. Oh. Uh, so it began, or it was a week ago from today. It was uh, with, uh, with Toby Adeyeye over there, that good-looking guy that helps lead worship on Sunday mornings. So good-looking. Oh, so good-looking. So good-looking. No, but um, he also has been helping and leading uh, worship for Sunday night for youth, and uh, and he's been killing it. And uh, last Sunday night, I was just I was just sitting in the back, and I was just looking at him. And uh, I just kind of remember when, like, his whole journey began with, like, beginning to, like, invest into like playing music and seeing where that was going in his life and it was so humble it like he would sit in the back there with a guitar when harvest was leading worship and just like pretend strum and sing and and like i just remember when harvest one day just walked down she's like you're leading worship next sunday <laughs> and uh just to see how how much he's like grown i just felt really encouraged to share with him just like my own view of him during that time and process just like how he began out like, you know, just like just like obeying, just like, hey, like, I'm going to bring my guitar on Sundays. And then, like, now he's leading worship now. And it was just cool. And just, like, just share with him my view of him through my own eyes. And just, like, you know, awesome. encourage him to continue forward in that. Amen. I love it, man. Thanks. So I think in that, I mean, it's interesting hearing that. I think you have, you know, we have these things that God calls us to, like, so for the cold, that was like a word, that's just a word of encouragement. Like the guys are speaking encouragement. Then we're called literally to go and, and to, to share the gospel. We have those moments where we come and we just bless people and encourage. And so I do want to encourage you. Again, these stories, I mean, I mean, if God can use Stevie, he can use anybody, right? And so, um, 
No, but seriously, it's a joke. Stevie, you can handle that. So anyway, my point is this. It's like in the context of our journey, like I want you to think and remember these stories. It's like I, it's, we talked last week about the idea of being sent, and we are a sent people. And I think one of the things so often it's that we get to this place where in our lives, in our busyness and in our, in our schedules and our own level of self-importance, honestly, we just sometimes get really distracted from hearing God's voice, don't we? Like we're really honest. Like we, we leave something and we're like, man, was, man, that, that, like, I think I feel like I missed an opportunity. And I think the, 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 the simple reality is, and hear this, we just don't want to be, we don't want to be people who miss opportunities. That's what I'm, that's the whole point of being sent. We don't want to be people who miss opportunities to encourage, to pray for, to, to speak and to proclaim truth to people. One of the scriptures I think that's really, really, this really super simple and clear in scripture around this idea of being sent, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. You can follow up on the screen. I'm just going to talk just for a few minutes. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Don't, for, don't miss that phrase. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest, remember that word, is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And we're going to look at these words here a little more deeply in upcoming weeks. But the first thing I want you to hear, and this is, I'm not going to dive into it real deeply because I think it makes sense. Like, it's really hard to be sent to a people you don't have compassion and love for. Right? That's the thing that separated Jesus. Like, Jesus, everywhere he went, he had compassion and love for everyone that he was around. And so one of the things I just want to encourage you to fight for and to, and to press into is this. I want you to hear me. I want you to be, more, I want you to be intentional about being aware of loving people more than you're looking to be loved on. This is real simple. I feel like we get so lost in our world of like, no, come do this for me. Come do this for me. And the reality is God's setting the stage for us every day to do unto others, to love our neighbors, to have compassion. The idea is real simple. Hear this. We know we've been with Jesus when we find ourselves loving people who are hard to love. Because when we go to Jesus and he pours out his love into our lives, his love is so rich and so deep that it automatically opens up our hearts and our minds to begin to love those whom he loves. That's the idea. The idea of having a compassion. Jesus was motivated with compassion. You all know what compassion means. I see someone, my heart breaks, and it puts me into motion. And we live our lives, if we're honest, every day, just not... Aware of compassion and loving others. So one of the things we pray into is, God, this is a real simple prayer. God, as I come to you and I receive your love, God, would you awaken your love inside of me for those who need it today and every day? Just a real simple prayer. And just be honest with yourself. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I, I've, I've looked at myself in the last six months. I'm like, man, I'm not sure I'm doing a great job of loving people. I've got a lot of stuff going on, lots of distractions, lots of reasons to, to be focused on my own life, my own situation, stuff going on. But God, I want to love people again the way that you love them. I read a book last night and then one of the chapters like, how we know we've grown cynical in church, right? And I'm like, how much of us, how many of us are cynical in every relationship that we come into? We want to ask God to soften our hearts again, awaken us, and give us compassion. The second piece is to talk about the harvest. 
We all understand the harvest. We see, like, when you go by a field, right, you may not be a great farmer and understand all the, the agrarian society, but you know the difference, you know the difference when you see a field that's been seeded versus a, a field that looks like it might be ready for harvest, right? Whether it's wheat or I was thinking about, we've lived in the Midwest for a while, and we would go by and like, and we would see these huge stalks of corn. And there's a big, listen, I don't know if you can tell the difference. There's a big difference between stalks that are eight feet and stalks that are one foot. I'm just saying, right? And you're able to tell the difference. And so the idea is like Jesus coming and saying, listen, I'm just letting you know, there are lots of eight foot stalks of people just ready. That is ready for the harvest, ready for me. And so the idea for us, right, is that Jesus creates, in my opinion, a real simple equation. It's four things. Number one, the world, go to the equation, the world is number one. Here we go. Where is it? Matthias? No, thank you. He's just so amazing and rapid in my message. Here we go. The world's full of people who know Jesus, number one. The world is full of people who know Jesus. That's the idea. The fields are white. Jesus wants people to know him. Common sense, right? Jesus wants people to go to them. And number four, he wants us to pray, get compassion for, and to go ourselves. The idea is really simple. Never pray for anything you're not willing to be the answer to. There's any phrase you live by. Never pray for something that you're not willing to be the answer to or the answer for. That's something to live by. Man, oh yeah, God, I pray. Then we pray, God, am I to go? And so the idea of always being these people who go. And so with this, here are just three things that I want us to live by. Number one, I want you to look for and anticipate nudges every day. I want you to look for and anticipate nudges every day. In the story of Matthew 9, the idea of Jesus is clear. He wants us. He wants us to see people in need, right? He wants us to turn our attention towards the harvest in the field and to see the field and to be praying for the harvest and to be praying for the harvesters. But here's something that's really, really simple. If we're not looking, then we're not going to see. So we just bought a car for, for our girls. It's the third family car. It's for Anna Catherine and Sarah to drive when they turn 16, right? Anna Catherine's driving it now, and when then Sarah turns 16, they're going to fight over it. And then when AK goes up to college, Sarah gets to drive it, right? So it's a 2013 Ford Edge. Let me say this. We started talking about buying a Ford Edge. I said to myself, what is a Ford Edge? Like, literally, they came saying, yeah, there's these cars. There's a Ford Edge. And I'm, like, thinking the boxy car and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, like, I've never seen a Ford Edge. So I literally, like, what is a Ford Edge? So what did I do? I went and Googled it. Ford Edge image, right? And it came up like, oh, I think I've seen these before. So I hop in my car. Guess what the only car with us on the road? Ford Edges. Isn't it how it happens? You start, like, all of a sudden something comes to your mind and you start hearing about it. And also you see it everywhere you go. And that's the idea and the premise here. If I'm, if I all of a sudden start looking for anticipating, then I begin to see it everywhere. If I begin to become looking at the field and saying, God, awaken my heart. And everywhere I go, I'm anticipating and looking and anticipating for the nudge of God's spirit. Guess what happens? You see it. You experience it. It's just super practical. Look for and anticipate nudges of God's spirit every day. And when those nudges come, right, when we give ourselves to it. Then take that step. The second thing is this, and this is just real simple. Go. Don't stay. Go. Don't stay. The language of Jesus is clear. He is anticipating 
workers. He is anticipating people who will recognize the opportunity in front of them, who will step up, and then who will give their time and who will give their energy. Harvesting, it requires time. It requires energy. It's not passive. It requires our active response. Listen, we never have to work to impress God. We never have, we can never work for our salvation. But if you read through the Gospels, you will recognize that Jesus worked between 40 and 60 hours a week for the purpose of the kingdom. So much so at the end of that time, he had to rest because he had given himself so fully and completely to the work of the kingdom. The work of the kingdom is that it requires energy, it requires effort, it requires your time. It requires stepping up and going, not just sitting back and receiving, right? It requires getting uncomfortable, it requires energy, it requires time. Listen, in our culture today, in the culture you grew up in, I mean, maybe the church was the center of the culture in which you grew up in, right? Churches used to be on Church Street, and they were right in the center of town with the big steeple because it was the center point, and everyone knew where it was because everyone was connected to it. That's not the case anymore. 80 to 90% of the neighbors in Paulding County around us never think about going to church on Sunday morning. And when problems arise, they never think about calling out to somebody, asking for prayer, and they never think about Jesus. 80 to 90%. We win. It's only 70% in Cobb County. Ours is higher. Woo, we win. And there are, I don't know, I mean, I'm just, I'm exaggerating. At least hundreds of churches. And I wonder if they're working, because if they were, that number would have diminished. Because you know what that number was when I first moved here? 80 to 90 percent. And it hasn't gone down since I've lived here. Ten years I've lived here now. Whose fault is that? God? No. It's because the church has not stepped up and they, want, they expect people to come inside. Because here's the deal. Harvesting does not happen inside the four walls of the church. Harvesting happens outside the four walls. We go. Jesus didn't sit in the temple and say, come to me. No. He would go journeying. Sometimes you come to the temple. Sometimes we come to church. Most of the time he was outside and going. And so listen, go. Don't stay. They're not coming here. They're just not coming here. And so the third thing, take responsibility for the harvest in our area. Responsibility is a word we don't like very much in our culture because it's a word that that, that demands something and infringes upon our time and infringes upon our schedule. We like to do what we want to do when we want to do it and not let it. So we don't we don't like commitment. We are a whole commitment, right? That's a bad word for so many of us because it requires time and energy. But here's the deal. Jesus took responsibility upon himself. He left perfection in heaven to come to earth, which was not heaven to him, right? And to come to die. He took the responsibility. He is the model for us today. And so we take that responsibility Listen, when we look at our lost neighbors, those who simply, we said they're lost, they don't know where God is, they don't know that they even need him, right? They're living in that this disconnect. We say, hey, we will take responsibility for them. What does it look like? What would it mean for, for Vintage to take responsibility for, a, for a, at least, let's say, a three-mile radius around us? And to say, hey, 
you can, hey, other churches, we would love for you to be partnered, but we're going to definitely own the responsibility of this area. What if you just own the responsibility of your neighborhood or the street in which you live, the office that you sit in every day? What would it look like? Do you think something would shift and something would happen as you went to Jesus and then you went out empowered by God's spirit with great compassion and love and took responsibility and just look for opportunities and nudges in the spirit to step into a moment of need when the person has it and expect God to move and they'll be changed? Absolutely. That's what we're talking about. We take responsibility for the harvest in our area by saying, yes, God, Isaiah, yes, God, here am I. Send me. Send me. And when we read through the Gospels and we hear this, these incredible stories of like preaching and thousands coming to Christ, right? We see all the disciples walking around and like miracles and healings. Like we want to see all of those things. We really do. And it's an aspiration that we'll have. But let's just start with these stories. Is it, let's aspire to these stories. Of just saying, yeah, I just saw somebody went over, she started talking, I laid, we just started praying for her, and it was really, really awesome, and she felt loved, and that was God's movement, right? I'm just watering seeds, right? Some of us get to be waterers, and others, others get to be harvesters. This is how it works. Some reason I'm always get to be the waterer. That's fine, professional waterer. That's awesome. But that's it, man. We're watering, we're harvesting, watering and harvesting. We're simply taking the responsibility. And it looks as simple as these things here. Hear the nudge? I'm like, you know, every single great evangelist has that moment you have. Oh, I don't want to do this right now. Oh, this is so uncomfortable. Every single one of them. It's easy to preach to people from like Billy Graham. Super easy to preach to thousands of people because this massive thing. It's much more difficult to sit one on one and be exposed, right? Fear the rejection. Like they're going to tell me I'm an idiot and they hate Jesus and they hate me. Ah, right? Whatever it may be. No, it's so much harder one on one. So with that. We've been literally engaged in this 40-day prayer initiative with all these churches in our area and surrounding. And the whole point of our prayer time was very simple. God, we are praying and taking responsibility for the people who don't know Jesus, right, who are in our community. That's it. And so we partnered, we're praying, we're leading up to Easter with this prayer for those that are in need of Jesus being the primary thrust of what we're after. And if you have not been praying into those things, and this is your invitation, hey, it's great, then step in right now. There's no, there's no bad time to step into the river, right? Let's step into the river and just begin to pray. Let's begin to pray for those who don't know Jesus, those who are hurting, those who are lost. Let's begin to pray for harvesters and let's just say, God, I'm willing to be the answer to what I'm praying for. And then take these simple steps, this initiative. So the three things I want you to pray, be the answer and go, right? Super simple. Pray, be the answer and go. Pray, be the answer and go. And one of the things I'm excited about this Easter is like we do every year, we're going after baptism. If you want to get baptized, this is, this is your invitation. If you've given us to Jesus and you want to express that publicly, you've never been baptized, then I want to invite you to get baptized. But here's what I want to say to you. I am ready. I'm ready. I love getting our kids baptized. I love people coming in who haven't been baptized and they're maybe a little bit older in their faith. Like, yeah, yeah, I've never done this. This is my moment. But let's be honest. I'm ready for this year to have people step into the baptismal trough right at Easter who said, I did not know Jesus three months ago, 
And because of so-and-so, right, who was standing right here with me and who introduced me to Jesus, I'm here today to tell the world I've given my life to Jesus. I'm willing to die for him, and I will follow him for the rest of my days. There's something powerful watching people tell that story from the horse trough. And I don't know about you, I'm not saying anything you feel guilty, to feel weighty. I want you to get excited because that's what God dreams of. That's what God waits to do. Though He's saying, listen, the fields right now have eight-foot stalks of corn in them. All you got to do is go by and push it over. Boom, and they're good. And you can stand with them at Easter, and it's going to be awesome. And then you have stories to tell. And your kids are like, remember that time you led so-and-so to Jesus? That was awesome. I hope I can do the same thing someday. You can. It's about discipleship. And so, invitation to get baptized. But I would love in this season for you to take this the initiative to pray, to be the answer, to listen, and then to go. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that, Lord, we get to be a part of the Great Commission. When you said, hey... I got a plan. I got one plan. My one plan is you. I'm going to send out a bunch of sheep and broken human beings empowered by my spirit to go and to do crazy things by my power and lead people to me. And God, we just confess, Lord, there's so much more than we're tapping into them than what we know. And I just ask this morning, Jesus, would you awaken us? God, the guilt and the condemnation, the fear and the distractions and all the things the enemy would just throw at us and throw at us and throw at us. God, we pray today that you would expose those things. I know that's not me. And that, Lord, you just awaken us saying, no, man, I have sent you. I've empowered you. You're ready. Just go love your neighbor. I'm going to put people in your path who are perfect for you to speak to. And so, Father, we just ask. We ask for people. We ask, God, for souls, those who don't know you, Jesus. We pray that our baptismal, God, will be filled with people who have met Jesus this year. And, God, I pray that you would awaken each person sitting in this room Say Here am I, Jesus. Send me. Amen. So we're officially done with service. How we end our services, those who are new. We have our offering baskets here and a little bit of giving box right there in a kiosk outside. If you have those connect cards, you see those, um, the uh, rooted commitment cards, you can put them in here this morning. Uh, and then we ask also for whatever your offering is, you feel like it's an act of worship for you. Communion is available every Sunday. We take communion not just to remember the work of God, but to recognize the work of God, the power of God is still active and present to move and powerful breakthrough in our lives today. And we invite you to come and take communion. We invite you to come and take communion and pray. Listen, with this first service, I invite you to come to the altar today and receive that for yourself. And as you do, to then pray for one person who you know does not know Jesus and just say, God, may they be taking communion with me within the next year. 
And then third, we'd love to invite anyone who wants prayer. We'll have prayer ministry teams available on both sides. Who are these people? They're people like you who just love to pray and love on other people. And they love to pray for anything going in your life, whether it's a marriage, whether it's healing and something physical you're hurting with, whether it's just encouragement. We would just love to love on you and pray for you this morning. Okay? So with that, we're officially done with service. I invite you to stay. As Blake said, you can stay to at least four and play nonstop. I never get tired, so it's good. So you can stay and just worship, let God do his thing. But you respond as the Lord leads. And once you feel like he has released you to go, then you're free to go. We love you guys. Have a great week.